Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And on tonight's podcast, our special guest will be Ricky Cobb, the man behind Super 70 Sports on Twitter. Look forward to having a terrific conversation with him in just a couple of moments. But first, we are going to talk some professional pigskin playoff action. So in the AFC and NFC Championship games, you get the one and two seeds in both conferences and both games go to overtime. Couldn't get any more gripping than that. First, let's look at the NFC game. New Orleans and the LA Rams. And yes, the bad call is the worst call we've ever seen on the non-called pass interference. I do subscribe to the old adage, though. Take care of business. Do not let the game get into the officials' hands. New Orleans should have worked the clock and kicked a field goal much deeper into the clock to limit the Rams' chances of extending that game. So, that is the first point of that. However, it does not take away from the fact that how can the referees, looking right at that, totally miss it? Again, it goes back to my thoughts on replay, how it's ruined officiating. These guys choke on their whistles. They don't make calls, or they blow them too quick. So, in this case, they just totally whiffed on it. And Saints fans now petitioning for a replay of the game, so I will now start a petition for Dallas Green Bay of 2014 to be replayed because Dez caught the ball. Moving to the AFC Championship game, a thriller between the Patriots and the Chiefs. And again, the officiating comes into play. The Edelman muff punt, I think, should have been upheld because the muff was the call on the field. The supposed to be indisputable evidence. I did not see because it, it, it looked either way. Sometimes it looked like he touched the ball. Sometimes it looked like he didn't touch the ball. So you're supposed to go with the call on the field if you really can't see anything clear cut. How they think they saw something clear cut is totally beyond me. Absolutely ridiculous. So anyway, I thought the, I thought his hand underneath the ball on the ground is what made it move because you can see the trajectory of the ball move a little bit. That said, it's upheld. Not upheld, rather, but uh, it's it's overturned. Horrible roughing the quarterback call on the chop down that they said Brady got hit in the head when he was not even close to getting hit in the head. Chopped on the shoulder pad. And then, of course, D. Ford, what are you doing? Lining up off sides, you cost your team as they had the pickoff of Brady on the tip pass. And the Chiefs would have been going to the Super Bowl. Think how close we were, just microscopically close to a Chiefs-Saints Super Bowl. It actually was the one I picked. and It didn't work out in either case. End of the day, it was compelling, and it was, it was nerve-wracking, especially if you're fans of those teams. And it is what makes the NFL the NFL. Joining us now on the program is the man behind one of the very best Twitter feeds out there, a virtual collection of great sports moments, pictures, a little pop culture, other fun stuff too. It's Super 70 Sports, and I am happy to introduce the creator of that great content, Ricky Cobb. Ricky, thank you for taking time tonight. Hey, Jeff. I'm excited to be here. Thanks a lot for having me on. No problem. Uh, so you launched this glorious endeavor on Twitter back in, what, 2013? And what led you to create it? And 
is it where it at today where you thought it would become? Um, it, it's, I'll answer the, the last question first. Uh, I, I, never, I never had any <laughs> inkling that it would take off and, and gain the sort of popularity that, that it has. Um, the, the 2013 may have been when I created the account, but I really only began doing what I'm, what I'm doing now really around the beginning of 2015. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, and you can tell I really had no idea. I created the account. I tinkered around with it. I probably posted a few things uh, at the end of 2013 and maybe at the beginning of 2014. And uh, I think I actually just kind of forgot about it for probably the better part of 2014. And uh, r- right around the beginning of 2015, I just thought, oh, you know, oh yeah, there's that Twitter account thing that I was playing around with about a year ago, and. And maybe I'll make a couple of posts. And I started posting a few things back in January of 2015 and gradually, very slowly started gaining more new followers. I think I was gaining maybe about 10 followers a day or something like that. And I really thought it was just going to be something to amuse myself and some of my friends and (laughs) maybe uh, a few other people would join in. But I never in my wildest dreams thought that it would catch on and become something that, that uh, people are aware of and enjoy. And why, why did you pick the 70s? Well, what was the, the, the thing that brought your thirst to that? Well, you know, that's a great question. I, lots of times people think I'm a little older than I am because I was born in 71. So I really only remember the late 70s. Um, and I have other friends who were born in the mid-60s who, in some respects, uh, at least intuitively, you would think they're better equipped to do what I do because they, they grew up through the, through the entire decade. I've just always had a fascination with it. There's, there's something about the 70s from the avocado green and harvest gold uh, <laughs> kitchen sets and the shag carpeting and sideburns and bad mustaches and perms and afros and those gas guzzling monsters uh, uh, that our parents drove around in back in those days. It, it just really resonated with me. I was nostalgic for the 70s and the 80s. And that's, that's literally the truth. I can remember being in high school in the 80s and feeling nostalgic for television programs and, and sports from the 70s. And so I think my entire life, uh, in, in some respects, was, was kind of preparation for becoming the super 70s guy. Well, I tell you, it's interesting because I lived through a lot of that. And it's interesting to, to see all these reflections of, boy, when I see some of these things, it's like, oh, my God, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, and I think that that's the thing that I wasn't really counting on the the communal appeal that that some of these things that I was tweeting really had that that it resonated with people and there was that sort of reaction that you just described. I set out to create a Twitter account that amused me and that maybe would crack up a few other people and sort of unwittingly tapped into uh, sort of this collective memory that a, that a generation of us shares. And I liken it almost to uh, 
instant cousins or instant friends, folks that didn't grow up together, grew up, uh, in fact, uh, maybe in wildly different geographic regions and different homes and in different cities and towns and neighborhoods. And yet there's just something about some of this pop culture and the sports that is instantly relatable. And I think that that is, is probably the secret as to why the account became more popular than I would have ever anticipated. And it's interesting because you have followers, the likes of like Tim Brando, Steve Zabin, Tony Bruno, guys that lived through that generation that, uh, that the memories flood for them too. So that's had to be a tremendous boost. Oh yeah, I, I, absolutely. And I, I was just on Zabe's uh, podcast recently, in fact, and uh, all those guys, it's very gratifying. It was, I remember Certainly back in 2015, uh, up around the summer, I think I had 500, maybe 600 followers when I picked this thing up after, after about a year of just letting it lie there, probably as likely that I would have deleted it at some point as ever tweeted again. And through that year of 2015, it eventually became 5,000 followers, 6,000 followers, which at the time I was overjoyed with. I, I couldn't have imagined. And then I started seeing people follow me that I knew who they were. Like you mentioned, uh, uh, some of those names and, and a lot of other ones. And at that point, I kind of thought, okay, well, maybe there's a little more to this than uh, I thought it was going to be. And, and certainly when people that you, that you know and respect their work uh, follow you and seem to enjoy what you do, that's that's kind of a kick too, because many of the people who follow Super 70s are people that I'm that I'm a big fan of, and in some cases have been a big fan of for for many years. So your Twitter account has basically become like a like a like a Hall of Fame, a museum of great images and video. How much time do you devote to gathering that content? Oh my gosh, um, I a lot. <laughs> at, at this point in time, it's it's really a, a second, it's becoming a second career. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, it, it went from something I was just kind of doing to a pretty serious hobby to starting to forge uh, some, some business partnerships and things like that. And uh, now at this point, it's, it's pretty much my, my second career. I'm a, I'm a college professor by day. That's, what I've done for 16 years now, and I love that career, and, and it's great, but uh, Super 70 fills up uh, a, a ton of time. I'm, I, I would say I'm working Super 70s, uh, basically the equivalent of a, of a full-time job, probably, probably 40 hours a week or so, I would say I put into it. Now, do you get a lot of submissions from followers? I do. I do. Uh, people uh, send me things uh, quite frequently, in fact, and uh, some of it I use. You know, it just kind of depends on whether I can find the joke to, to put with it. Some images are so great, they, they don't even really require a great caption. You know, the image can speak for itself, but I, I try to come up with entertaining captions and uh, there, there's always a, a, a queue of images that I have collected that I found myself and then those that people send me and 
and certainly it's it's wonderful when I'm able to give somebody a little hat tip and 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 give them the assist when when they they put a great image in my lap because I didn't have to go out there and and uh, roll up my sleeves and, and and work very hard to find it and and sometimes that's a challenge uh, at this point in time I've been scouring the the internet so much over the course of these last four or five years that. Uh, sometimes there, there, it feels like there's not a lot of images that I haven't already seen. So whenever somebody sends me something that is, is new to me and, I, and I've never seen it, I, I feel like there's probably a pretty good chance that my audience has never seen it either. And, 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 th- and that's pretty fun. And you do have a lot of clever captions to uh, many of these photos. Uh, did you ever aspire to be a comedian or a comedy writer? <laughs> You know, I I think so. Never, never, never seriously uh, in my twenties or, or, or 30s set out to try and get involved in the entertainment industry. But I think that on some level, low key, uh, as my as my uh, <laughs> teenage daughter would say, um, I probably aspired to to be in entertainment on some level, to be a comedian, and and I think in some ways being a being a college professor has put me in front of an audience for a long time now. And even though I would never equate being in the classroom to being on a stage in a, in a theater full of people, there's a lot of, there's a lot of similarity in the sense that you, you need to be able to command that room. And I've certainly had ample time over the, over the past decade and a half to work on my timing and, things like that. So I think, I think even in my day job, there's, there's a, a, a lot of entertainer in me and I, I try to keep students engaged by being funny and, and so forth. So uh, what you see on Twitter is, is basically just my personality. I try to make the, I try to make the account feel and read the, the same way that you would feel if you and I were sitting at a bar over a, over a beer. That's awesome. And and what kind of curriculum do you teach? I am a sociology professor. Okay. So, um, yeah. So there's a in, in sociology. I, I think for me, uh, a lot of the best comics, whether it's whether it's Larry David or or whether it's uh, you know his 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 star has fallen and understandably so. But as but just as a comedian at least until recently, I was always a fan of, of Louis C.K., that sort of stuff. Dave Chappelle is, is another one. O- observational comics who can kind of find the humor and find the uh, 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 levity in ordinary daily life situations. And so um, I think as a sociologist, I've, I've always sort of had that kind of eye, when, whether I'm observing sports or whether I'm observing uh, you know anything else that that you see on television or uh, in our in our popular culture, really? Yeah. So so you mentioned some of those names, and I also think about uh, observation type of humor. I would think of the '70s, and I would think of George Carlin. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, Carlin was a was a forerunner of, of the names that that names that I mentioned, really. And uh, Carlin was a great observational comic. Richard Pryor had some of that mm-hmm. uh, in in his work as well, and he's another guy that I was always a big fan of. So it was just sort of a natural fit for me. My 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 love for sports, 
my affinity for the 1970s era, uh, just in general. And then the fact that I've just always kind of been an irreverent sort of personality who tried to find the humor in most things. And so the Twitter account just sort of became this conglomeration of these different aspects of my personality and things that I was interested in. And sort of when you put those ingredients together, this is just kind of how it came out, I guess. Yeah. So one of the things I really like about your account is that you will also kind of fringe into different time frames, and you also fringe on pulp culture. And I think a great example of that kind of flavor is a post from today. We're from the movie where uh, Fletch, Chevy Chase, being greeted by the lovely Dana Wheeler Nicholson and nothing but a towel and the caption being, can I borrow your towel for a sec? My car just hit a water buffalo, the great line from the movie. And, and that just had me, had me chuckling. <laughs> well, th- th- those are, those are kind of easy for me, right? Because I'm taking, I'm taking somebody else's material and, and, and getting a laugh with it. And I think, I think that's kind of the aspect of the site where I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a curator of seventies and eighties culture, because as you said, I go outside the seventies. So I, I try to keep it kind of eclectic. Uh, a lot of people through, through time I have found, they get kind of picky about what year certain things are that I post. And if they're new to following the, the account, sometimes people will have these aha, gotcha kind of moments where somebody will be very pleased with themselves and post, that's 1982, you know, and with sort of like the uh, implication being that I'm a, that I'm a dummy that... Uh, do, doesn't even know your accounts since the 70s, and you don't even know what the difference between the 70s and the 80s. But <laughs> the, the truth of the matter is, is I, I, I know what year <laughs> things are from. I certainly know what decade things are from when I post them, and, it, and it's deliberate. I, maybe I would have given the account a different name if I had known what it was going to evolve into, but at the time, five years ago, when I, when I made this account, I... I thought I was going to be talking about 70s sports. And then I thought, well, I've got more to say than that. <laughs> and I don't want to just limit myself to, to that because it's fun to talk about Fletch. And it's fun to remember the days when uh, we, we were riding around with mom and dad in a station wagon and none of us had our seatbelts on. And it's <laughs> fun to look back on some of the playground uh, contraptions that we were all probably fortunate uh, just to survive and the television shows and things like that. So uh, I, I, at first I just kind of would float a few tweets out there about things that were not sports just to see how it would go over with people. And I found that people seem to enjoy those tweets just as much. And I thought, well, if, if there's an appetite for that, I certainly have an interest in those things too. And so the site began to evolve. I, I always tell people that I post about other decades besides the 70s, but the 70s is home base, and I post about things besides sports, but sports is the home base. So it's sort of the, it's sort of the, ba- the backbone uh, of, of uh, what I do. But, yeah, I, I like to post about more than just sporting events that happened in the 70s, that's for sure. Yeah, and you know what? And people who love sports, by and large, love entertainment. So it works, I think, in, in, in that respect. Well, it was, it was something where it certainly gave me a lot more material to work with. 
because if, if you're limiting it to just 1970 sports, obviously at, at some point there's a finite uh, amount of material there. And so to be able to talk about other things, I just think it keeps, I think it keeps everything fresher rather than, oh, well, you know, here, here's another day and you're just talking about the same things over and over again. And I, and I don't ever want to fall into that trap. So I, uh, I, I like to discuss different things. I'm always looking for something fresh to post that, that people maybe haven't seen before or haven't thought of in a while that's going to kind of trigger that, oh, I remember, uh, you know, sort of <laughs> part of your brain. And, uh, and, and that's one of the things that I really like uh, about getting up and doing this every day. Well, how I discovered Super 70 Sports was uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge Dale Murphy fan, and he had tweeted he was going to be on your podcast, so you also do a podcast, and and, uh, and Dale Murphy should be in the Hall of Fame, by the way, which I, <laughs> if, if Harold 100%. Baines can, yes, if Harold Baines could get in, Dale Murphy certainly should be in, um, but you've had some, some great guests on your show, Dave Parker, Leroy Jordan, Gary Templeton, Hubie Brown, George McGinnis, just to name a few uh, of those, and and how are you able to get these guys on, and, and are any of them really hard to track down? Yeah, the podcast is is kind of the element of what I do that's that gets less of the gets less of the glory for sure. People don't talk about it as much, but I, but I'm really proud of the podcast and, and you um, many of the guests that I've had. On. Thank you. I, it's different. I, it's. Uh, it's a bit more reverent than the, than the Twitter account. And, you know, we still like to have some laughs, but uh, it's a little more serious and it's uh, obviously more in depth because rather than 280 characters, I've got 30 or 45 minutes or an hour to, to really have a conversation with some of these athletes. And in some cases, heroes of my youth, I did Dale Murphy. Uh, I still can't, I'm, still can't believe I had Dale Murphy on my podcast. Are you kidding me? I mean, he's Murph. It's uh, uh, childhood uh, memories out the, you know, out the wazoo thinking back to uh, watching Murph and Horner on, uh, on TBS with Skip Carey and Pete Van Weeren and Ernie Johnson and those guys on the call. And it's uh, surreal to me, even now I've, I've obviously, you, you probably could guess I've got a lot of, 12 year old boy in me for a a middle-aged man (laughs) and uh and the the 12 year old in me definitely is doing cartwheels every time i'm able to pull uh one of these uh guests for my show that probably deep down in my heart you know i just can't believe that i have the opportunity to to talk to this person and and i'm pleased to say that dale murphy is every single bit as nice as you, you ever thought that the guy was one of the absolute nicest people that that I have encountered uh, over the course of the past several years since I've been doing this and what a thrill it was to talk to him but as far as getting these guys it, it happens in different ways you know uh, Dale uh, followed the account and so I just uh, just shot a message over to him on Twitter and uh, eventually we were able to put that together. And, uh, you know, as I do this longer and meet more people, my social network, uh, gets a little better and I start to know people who, who know people. Um, Hubie Brown, for instance, I, I wrote Hubie Brown a letter 
snail mail. I uh, just uh, wrote him a letter and said, hey, I host a podcast. I'd love to have you on. And one day I was driving home from my day job and I get a phone call. It's a number that I don't recognize. And I pick it up and it's Hubie Brown. And now, hopefully, hopefully you didn't drive him. off the road, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I probably almost did at first. And so we wind up having about a 20 or 25 minute conversation as I drive home, not even taping it. You know, I'm just having a conversation with Hubie Brown and he's talking about the Kentucky Colonels and talking about basketball in the 1970s. And it's just for me, you know, and what a, what a crazy moment that is. And then to be able to have him on the show. So it's, it's been pretty mind blowing, uh, a lot of this and, and a lot of the friends that I've made and acquaintances that I've made. Um, I would say that this is a, this is an adventure in my life that I am thoroughly enjoying and never would have imagined would have happened to me. Well, another podcast that you had on is, as one of the guests was uh, a little outside of sports, although you were able to tie sports into it was, Barry Williams, Greg Brady from the Brady Bunch, and the Brady Bunch had several sports stars guests on the on on their on their series. Uh, what a great podcast that was because it, you learned so much about. It. To me, those are like time warp travels, and it, it was it was a it was very well done. Well, thank you. I, I, that one was. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't want to single anyone out as, uh, you know, as my favorite podcast. I've got a lot that fall into the favorite category, but, but getting Barry Williams was, that was kind of like a bucket list sort of thing for me because I've been a huge Brady Bunch fan for pretty much my entire life. I would get out of junior high school and go home and, you know, it would be on in the afternoon and I would watch it and, uh, I consumed a lot of Brady Bunch when I was a kid and introduced my own kids to it and, and their fans. And I, I watched the show with them now and they're impressed that dad talked to Greg, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, I was absolutely thrilled to get Barry. That was one that uh, I was after for, for quite some time and uh, Barry agreed to come on and to, to have the opportunity to, pick pick his brain about uh, such an iconic TV show and his experiences on it was really a dream come true for me. And uh, I'm glad that you enjoyed it because that one is, is definitely one of my favorite pods that, I, that I've ever done. So we'll tie it back into sports before we close out. So who are your favorite athletes of the 70s era? Oh, gosh. Um, my favorite athlete of all time is Muhammad Ali. Uh, he was, he was my hero when I was a kid. Um, I massive Ali fan. I always have been. I'm from Kentucky. Ali's from Kentucky. Uh, I just what a charismatic guy. There will never be another. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet him years ago. What a, what a classy guy he was. Um, as far as other favorites, oh gosh, I've got, I've got many, um, I was always a big Pete Rose fan. Um, I know Pete's got his faults, but as a, as a baseball player, loved to watch Pete Rose. I was a Reggie Jackson fan when mm -hmm. I was a kid. Um, uh, George Gervin was probably my guy uh, in the, in the uh, NBA. I was a Dr. J fan. 
certainly. Earl Campbell's probably my favorite football player uh, of all time. Roger Staubach's uh, another guy. Fran Tarkenton. Um, so many uh, people from that era that still stand out for me as I look back on my childhood and, and think of the athletes that really had an impact on me. I mean, these were my movie stars, you know. I I enjoyed movies and TV shows just like everybody else, but I always put the athletes above any other form of entertainment. And, you know, you mentioned I had Dave Parker on the podcast. And for me, there's no question about it. I would, I would have rather met Dave Parker than Clint Eastwood or, <laughs> you know, president, pre, uh, United States president or whatever. That's the space that, that Dave Parker o- occupies for me, you know? And so a lot of those athletes from the, from the seventies and eighties, I, I still look up to them and, uh, and have that affection for them. The, you know, maybe not exactly in the, in the same form as I had when I was a kid, but I, I still, in, in some respects, put them up on that pedestal and, and look to them as the, as the, the people that, uh, that I've enjoyed their work the most. Well, it's certainly a terrific follow on Twitter. Also, please check out the podcast too. They has a lot of great ones, and uh, they they they. The great thing about them is they stand over the test of time as well, uh, because they're not current events so, so much to speak. Uh, Ricky Cobb from they're evergreen. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Ricky Cobb from uh, Super Seventy Sports at Super Seventies and at Seven Zero S, not spelled out Seventies. But uh, thank you so much for taking the time. We really enjoyed this visit. Well, Jeff, I, I really appreciate you having me on. You, you asked me some really great questions, uh, and uh, I enjoyed the discussion and would be happy to come on with, again with you anytime. That was a fun conversation for me to have with Ricky from Super 70 Sports on Twitter at Super 70 Sports. And I also had to break out some 70s bumper music using one of my all-time favorite songs of the disco era. This is the long version of Making It by David Naughton. We're not going to play the whole thing. It's like six minutes long. But uh, David Naughton, for those of us of a certain age, was the song and dance man in the Dr. Pepper commercials. Very, very long intro. We're not going to get all the way to the lyrics on this one. Again, that was a great, great time with Ricky Cobb. Well, we were talking about a lot of Hall of Fame baseball players, and now the Hall of Fame has added some more more to their shrine. Mariana Rivera, the great closer of the New York Yankees, first ballot, certainly deservedly so. Roy Doc Holliday, Halliday rather, was uh, also a first ballot Hall of Famer and unfortunately passed away 14 months ago in a plane crash. Uh, tough as nails pitcher, just grit and determination there. Edgar Martinez, strictly a designated hitter, maybe fringe for me. Mike Mussina, the longtime pitcher of the Orioles and the Yankees, also kind of a fringe in my book. Very, very good. I don't know if it's Hall of Fame great, but uh, that's kind of along the line there with me. And the uh, Veterans Committee certainly uh, some time ago had uh, uh, nominated Lee Smith, a great closer uh, from the Cubs. And Harold Baines, longtime Chicago White Sox, uh, who to me was another, based on what they call the criteria, the the baseline of being in the Hall of Fame, uh, 
I mentioned, you know, if Harold Baines could be in the Hall of Fame, Dale Murphy should certainly be in the Hall of Fame because I think their numbers are very close. Uh, Baines may have gotten the benefit of longevity, 22-year career, but Dale Murphy had back-to-back MVP seasons and was, for like a four- or five-year stretch, just really, to me, the best player in baseball. And I, like Ricky as well, had a had a Dale Murphy moment, uh, as many of you know, and I've mentioned on the podcast previously, is I was the producer for Chris Mad Dog Russo when he worked here in Orlando at WKIS. And one of the things we would do to get guests on was we would just basically call them in their hotel rooms. The baseball, Major, Major League Baseball had a red book and a green book, one for the red for the American League, green for the National League. And they basically listed all the hotels that the teams stayed at when they were on the road. So we would just, it was kind of like dying for dollars. We would just keep calling guys and, you know, hopefully get them on. And and we tried Dale Murphy several times. One time I actually woke him up, felt horrible. He he was not able to come on at that point. Third time, I think, was when I finally uh, uh, reached him and he agreed to come on. And as, as Ricky said, one of the great, nice guys, not just a great baseball player, but a great guy as well. Well, we thank you for listening once again. And as usual, you are welcome to subscribe. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and now on Spotify. And please reach out with your feedback. Our email address is Talk at gmail.com. And next week, we will talk Super Bowl 53. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients, so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog in the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at KramerSalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L. L-V-E dot net.